In other words, staying focused on what the Lord would have me say in that moment instead of just tearing off into everything I know about a subject. And we're going to work our way back to this, but this is from the Lord this morning to all of us, all right? He said that when life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut, you better have the foundation of trust under you only agape for Jesus can build. When life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut, you better have the foundation of trust under you that only agape, not philo, only agape for Jesus can build. Now, what, what are we talking about here? Remember, Jesus in Luke the 6th chapter talked about these two men who both heard these sayings. They, they both heard what Jesus said, but one of them heard it and did it. The other one heard it and did not do it. Both had philo, both had fond affectionate feelings for Jesus, but only one had agape, which is, uh, you know, esteeming him enough to follow through on what he says and actually do it. And we see that when the rains came, the winds blew, the floods rose, okay, one man's house collapsed while another man's stood strong and stood the test of time. And so just meditating on this, and this is what the Lord just said in relationship to that, when life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut, you better have the foundation of trust under you that only agape for Jesus can build. Now, we've made some statements that I believe came directly from the Holy Spirit uh, to us, and I want to review a couple of those. This one is really, really important, okay? Matter of fact, you might want to write this down. Father is weary of his children Loving him, but not trusting him. When the Lord first spoke that to my heart several weeks back, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure it was him. I thought maybe I just came up with that on my own. And and the more I have searched it out in Scripture, the more I see that it's true. And I'm going to kind of reinforce that statement now this morning with uh, some passages from both the Old Testament and the New Testament that I think will make that, uh, as, as as only Scripture can, make it abundantly clear for you. We've said that love has its important place, but trust is the real currency of any relationship. And then I have come to understand that trust is the missing link between loving God and living by faith. There's a lot of people that profess a love for God, but do not necessarily live by faith, or living by faith means living by what God says. So here's the question, why do so many profess a love for God while so few actually follow through and live by faith? There is a huge disconnect, listen to me now, there's a huge disconnect in the body of Christ today between a love for God and actually doing what God says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do the things that I say? And the Lord showed me what probably most of you have already seen, but just with emphasis, that this is not a current problem. In other words, this is not something that has just recently developed. People talking about how much God means to them, how much they love Him, how committed and devoted they are to Him, but never actually listening to Him and following through on what He says. As a matter of fact, This problem began with Adam and Eve and has continued down through the ages. And so God has pointed out this problem to us 
time and time again. And um, I want to show you some of those passages in the scriptures this morning that um, illustrate. So again, I want to make, make sure you understand what we're talking about now. Ultimately, we're talking about learning to trust God. And we said that, that, that learning to trust Him is the missing link between loving Him and actually following through and doing what He says, it, 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 you know, living by faith, walking and living by faith. And so there's this disconnect then um, where, you know, people talk about how, you know, they say things like, God is my everything. There's even one verse in Psalm, in the book of Psalms that we'll look at here in just a moment, where people even talk about how God is my rock. I've heard people say that over and over, you know, God is my rock, God is my everything, you know. Um, and, and, and yet, you know, don't, don't trust him enough to, you know, put a $20 bill in the offering plate. And I, yeah, I'm not, it's not about money, I'm just, I'm just trying to say. You know, and and it's, it's very confusing because, you know, as we've pointed out already, Peter was 100% convinced of his devotion and his commitment. Um, I mean, so much so that he told Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. I'll die for you. See, that was love in his heart for Jesus. But we see that when uh, life on a cursed planet punched him in the gut, you know, it was... Jesus, who? I don't know Jesus. I've never, I've never followed. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, right? And and it, and it seemed like he collapsed his his uh, this house that he was so you know proud of and and so quick to tell everybody about how you know stable he was and and how close he was with Jesus. It it um you know I mean just a little girl. Read it in in the scriptures. Read this. It was a little girl who asked him. Um and man he just went off on her, you know. Now, when we talk about, because it's real easy when we read some of the verses we're going to read, it's real easy to think, you know, those lousy people, you know, they didn't care nothing about Jesus. Well, (laughs) obviously, you know, in their heart they believed they did. So let's, um, can you take some of this this morning? Amen. All right. Let's, let's begin at Isaiah 29 and 13. This is one that Jesus quoted during his earthly ministry, but, but it originated with God speaking it through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 29 and 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men, now, that word fear towards me is translated in other uh, versions uh, as their worship towards me. And, and so think of not fear like afraid, but respect, um, honor, duty. Uh, he, he says that's not sincere from their heart. It's something that they're, they're doing uh, traditionally. I think we've all heard the expression lip service. You ever had somebody give you lip service right? when, when what they're saying is not backed up by what they're actually doing? Now, again, it's very easy to say that these people, you know, who draw near to God with their mouths and honor me with their lips, God, did, God didn't deny that they were honoring him with what they said. Notice they're saying things that sound like honor to God, but notice their hearts weren't in it. Their hearts were actually far from God. 
Do you, do you see why? We, and I know it's such a simple thing, but do you see why I said what I said before we went into praise and worship this morning? I think of, um, now listen, when it's, a, when it's a, a song of the Spirit, when it's a, it's, a, it's a God song, which is what we sing around here, um, we'll be singing them in heaven one day. I believe we'll sing Shout to the Lord a thousand years from now. You know, that, that song came from the heart of God through one of His people or some of His people to the body of Christ. So when I say a song has a life cycle, I'm speaking as a man, not, not in terms of, of, of a spiritual. But, but think about it like when, when they uh, teach us a new uh, worship song, praise song around here. It starts out with, okay, now we're trying to learn the words. And then it's kind of like once we get the tune and the words, now we can like really sing it, you know, without having necessarily look at the wall. And now, you know, you, you know you got it when you can sing at least the chorus in the shower on Monday morning and feel it right? It, feel it, okay? But when I say the life cycle, see, if we're not careful, after a while, familiarity breeds contempt. Physically, naturally speaking. In other words, you can, you can hear something so much that the words mean nothing to you. Brother Keith Moore had his Greater Faith Conference this week. If you have a chance to, to access that online, uh, it's, it's recorded podcast, video, whatever. Some amazing stuff, you know, and he's, he's talking about the things that we do in proportion to our faith, and one of the things that he talks about is that we do in proportion to our faith is prophesy and then prophesy in song. And if you've been around heritage very much, you know that that's something that, that, that Matthew flows in uh, quite regularly. But he was talking about just the simplicity of a song. He said sometimes we, we think that... Uh, now, he says everyone can, can prophesy in a song. He said that doesn't mean that everyone should do it publicly, and certainly not that everyone should record, okay? <laughs> but that, that we can all prophesy in song. And he said, think about this. He goes, think about the simplicity of this song. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Right? Just, I mean, pretty simple, Right? Wash this white as snow. See, that's a good song. That's a really good song. It's just got a few words in it. Amen. How many of you believe that one came from, <laughs> from another world? Amen. Amen. All right. But see, if we're not careful, we'll sing that so much that we're thinking about pot roast after church while those words are coming out of our mouths. That's why we have to really bring our, our you know, engage... Um, Dr. Miles Monroe, he's with Jesus now. He gave one of the most, it's almost an abstract definition of what it means for God to be holy, holy, holy. But to me, it's one that, that's so simple but so profound. He said God is holy, holy, holy because everything that God thinks, everything that God says, and everything that God does is always in perfect alignment. He never thinks one thing says another thing, and then does a third thing. It's always in alignment. It's always in harmony. That's holy. Now, he said, you be holy because I'm holy. Right? So it's very easy for us to sing one thing out of our mouths while we think about another thing. <laughs> well, you, you follow what I'm saying? So it's this alignment. Um, I don't know, hopefully at some point this year, um, there'll be opportunity for him to, to, to preach it when he's ready to share it. But the Lord spoke to, to Donald that 2022 is a year of agreement. 
it's a year of agreement. And, and agreement means a lot of things. I really, since you spoke that word to me, brother, I've certainly been pondering on it. And, and this is one of those areas of agreement, you know, where what we think, what we say, and what we do is in agreement. Amen. It's lined up. Amen. Amen. See, that's where the power of God can flow. Right? That's, that's where the... Amen. So, he says, you know, the... You, what, you, what you're saying out of your mouth and, and, and the words that are coming out of your lips are words that honor me, but your heart's far from me and your worship towards me, your fear towards me is taught by the commandments of men. That phrase, commandments of men, let me tell you how some other passage, other translations translate this, that their worship is based upon man-made rules. Their worship is based upon man-made rules. Their worship is repetition without any thought as to the meaning. Right? See, if you're not careful, you know, you, you can sing shout to the Lord uh, as repetition without any thought to its meaning. This speaks of going through the motions of worship without ever acknowledging who God is and the place that He deserves in our lives. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the next one, all right? <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 31. Listen to this one. God speaking this time to Ezekiel. He says, so they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. I want to give you this one in the message translation. Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32 from the message. They show up, as people tend to do, and sit in your company. They listen to you speak, but don't do a thing you say. They flatter you with compliments, but all they care about is making money and getting ahead. To them, you're merely entertainment, a country singer of sad love songs, playing a guitar. They love to hear you talk, but nothing comes of it. Man, that's stout, isn't it? That's strong right there, isn't it? See, what he's talking about is, is, is when, uh, when, when God's ministers, his prophets, his pastors, his teachers, they, gifts that have been given to the body of Christ to serve his people, when, when they, they stand up to speak to God's people, the heart of the people is that this is not a commandment from God. This is entertainment for uh, our Sunday morning. Amen. Jeremiah 12 and 2. He says, You have planted them, yes, they have taken root. They grow, yes, they bear fruit. You are near in their mouth, but far from their mind. This one from the message translation. You planted them and they put down roots. They flourished and produced fruit. They talk as if they're old friends with you, but they couldn't care less about you. Wow. 
Psalm 78. Amen. Just let the Holy Spirit wash over you this morning. Amen. Psalm 78 and verse 35. It says, Then they remembered that God was their rock, and the Most High God their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they flattered Him with their mouth, and they lied to Him with their tongue. For their heart was not steadfast with Him, nor were they faithful in His covenant. Anybody seen a pattern here? Again, Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 8. This is Jesus quoting from Isaiah. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Do you realize how many things are believed in the body of Christ that are not in the Bible? Now, I could get started on this, and we could, we could make a sermon series out of this. How about this one? God is in control. People teach that like, that like that's what the Bible says, and that is absolutely not what the Bible says. You see, they teach, notice what he's saying here, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. There are all kinds of things like this that people believe sacred cows of religion that people believe that in some circles, in some denominations are, I mean, my mom had a conversation one day with a, with a gentleman. He was a, a retired minister at the Y. I don't think it's bicycles side by side or whatever. He was talking about the things of God. They did it all the time. Just in a casual conversation just about the goodness of God and things the Bible says. She said, well, you know, uh, the Bible says that we'll do the works that Jesus did and greater works than these. He stiffened and bristled and said, the Bible does not say that. My mom says, well, yeah, John 14, 12, I'm quoting it now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but see, again, his, his doctrine is that, that that's not for the church, that's not for the body of Christ. He, he's teaching, again, uh, as doctrines, the commandments of men. He's saying that this came from God. This is what the Bible says. This is how it is with God. And that is absolutely, positively not what the Word says. How about Luke 6, 46? We've looked at this one, but do you see how when Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? This isn't just, you know, Jesus addressing a current problem. It's a problem, again, that's as old as mankind on planet Earth, beginning with Adam and Eve. What, what, what did Adam and Eve do? <laughs> they did their own thing. They did what they wanted to do. With You can't tell me they didn't have affection in their heart for the Lord. You can't tell me that, that, that Father God did not have a special place uh, in their heart um, and, and how they felt uh, for Him and even how those emotions that they felt for God made it very, very difficult for them to do what they wanted to do instead of what he wanted them to do, but they did it anyway. Do you see the pattern? If you could somehow go back in time, starting with Adam and Eve, and, and talk to every group of people throughout the ages that God has said something like this to, I, I would imagine that most of them would look at you like you was crazy, 
they, they would perhaps even some be offended that you would even suggest such a thing. Okay? Remember Peter? When, when Jesus basically tried to address the underlying cause of this in Peter's life, Peter became offended, told the Lord he didn't know what he was talking about. No way. You got it wrong. It's very easy for us to sit where we're sitting and look back on these people and think reprobates, deadheads, spiritual slugs. I guarantee you, if you were to ask all these folks, they would gush love and affection for the Lord. That was the Psalm, Psalm 78. I, didn't, I could give you all these verses in multiple translations, and it might help you to do that you know, later today or something like that. But in the, the message translation on Psalm 78 um, begins with the quote, God is my rock. And they believe that. Let me, let, me, let me say it another way. Excuse me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They felt that. So they felt that. So the question again, why do so many profess a love for God while so few actually live by faith? He answered this question and therefore the missing link. See again, what's the missing link between loving God and walking in faith, living by faith. The answer to this question, and therefore the missing link between loving God and living by faith, can be found in the difference, listen to me now, it can be found in the difference between philo for God and agape for Him. Now, here's another one that fits right in with all the ones we've looked at so far. We've looked at this one a few times. John 14 and 15, Jesus said, If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. But he didn't say, if you have warm feelings for me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if I have a special place in your heart, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you think I'm all that in a bag of chips, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you're a fan of mine, keep my commandments. He didn't say, um, if, if, if you think you're hot stuff because you're in my inner circle, keep my commandments. It's not what he said. He said, if you agape me, keep my commandments. Remember when he restores Peter, he says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, agape you? What are you talking about, Jesus? I feel you. What is he saying? Peter is thinking that because he has, Jesus, he has all these emotional feelings for Jesus, Jesus has this special place in his heart that somehow that trumps, or, or that, that, that somehow overrides agape, that somehow it's better than, higher than, more important than agape. And all this has to do with, with just this out-of-bounds, out-of-balance approach to life that, that exists now on planet Earth where people are more interested in how something makes them feel we put such a premium on feelings and, and how something feels to us and what it feels like and, and all these other things. And, and Peter's caught up in that trap just like so many of us get caught up in that trap. Jesus is talking to him about duty and obedience and responsibility. And, and Peter's like, are you kidding me, Jesus? Do you not know the place you have in my heart? Do you not know how much I care for you? That wasn't what Jesus was asking him. No more than it's what he's asking here. He's not saying if you have a special, if I have a special place in your heart, do what I say. He's saying if you agape me, if, remember if, this means not everybody does. It means everybody can, but it doesn't mean everybody does. Now, we said that pie and cake are both desserts, but they're different. 
and Philo and Agape are both love, but they're different. When Jesus first said this to people and they heard Agape, they knew exactly what he was talking about. This is not so much for us. This is why I feel, one of the reasons why I feel like the Holy Spirit has had us kind of linger around this point for a little while. Because we, this is so important that we, that we recognize the difference, but we'll never recognize the difference until we understand what these two words are actually saying and what Jesus meant when he used these two words in, in different ways. So what is philo? It's translated love. If you read your New Testament, you know, it's, it's going to say love. But the word that Jesus used was not love in the English. It was philo in the Greek. And it means warm, fond, affectionate feelings often associated with friendship. Peter had this for Jesus in spades. Are you hearing me? He loved him. Could I, listen, words mean something, all right? See, we, we could say uh, he worshipped the ground Jesus walked on. And some people would, would say that. But see, that's a wrong use of the word worship. Worship has nothing to do with fond, affectionate feelings. Worship is an attitude of the heart that recognizes the place that somebody has and, and, and your place in life as, as it relates to them. If Peter had worshipped the ground Jesus walked on, he would have recognized who Jesus was and who he was in relationship to him. Agape, on the other hand, also translated love. What Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you agape me, keep my commandments. It means to esteem. This means to value, to, 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 to place a worth on, to recognize the importance of, to esteem, indicating a direction of the will. Agape includes the ideas of obedience, duty, respect, devotion, service, and faithfulness. Now, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I believe philo for Jesus without agape for Jesus is one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ today. And we've seen now, as the Holy Spirit has led us to go back and work our way through some key verses in the Bible, that this is not, again, this is not a current problem. This is one that Father has dealt with ever since he created mankind with a free will. So remember now, you can have philo for Jesus and never do anything he says. People do it all the time. I got a few minutes. Let, let me, I want to I try to really draw better than we have to date. I want to really try to draw some lines of distinction between philo in your heart for God and agape in your life for God, okay? So let me at least get that part um, covered if we can, okay? You still good? All right. So philo without agape, in other words, warm, fond, affectionate feelings without the obedience and the duty and the commitment and the response, right? Philo without agape creates an emotional connection to Jesus that seems strong and durable, but is actually weak and shallow. Now, I put this in my notes because I really felt like I need to remind you of this. Lest we lose sight, okay? Anybody know what we're ultimately talking about here? Anybody remember, okay? Learning to trust God. We have not left that subject. We are talking about Learning to trust God. Okay? So someone might ask, what does philo and agape have to do 
with learning to trust God? Everything. Because philo alone will never teach you to trust God. Listen to me now, this is important. This, we're talking about a missing link between a love in our hearts for God and actually living by faith and experiencing and enjoying what it means in our daily lives to live by faith. What's the missing link? The missing link is learning to trust God. Let me put it up on the screen. Philo alone will never teach you to trust God, but agape can and will teach you to trust Him. I'm going to go through some of these kind of quickly. I know some of you like to write these things down. Take a picture up with your phone if you need to or whatever, okay? Philo alone will never teach you to trust God, but agape can and will teach you to trust Him. So the question is, why do so many people profess this overwhelming love for God but never do what He says? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? It's because they have philo in their hearts but no agape in their lives. And like Peter, we think philo in the heart trumps a need for agape in our lives. Same folks who believe the fear of God expired when the Old Testament ended. Philo for Jesus without agape for him will deceive you into believing you trust him far more than you actually do. Now, when we say deceive, deceive means to believe something to be true that's not true. As Keith Moore says, if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. That's the danger of all of this. The danger of all of this is like when Jesus said over and over again in so many different ways through so many different people in the, in the Old Testament and in the New to His people, right? They just looked around to see who He was talking to because they didn't think He was talking to them. Because they believed, you're my rock, you're my everything. It's deceptive. Why is it deceptive? It's deceptive because philo is based upon feelings, and feelings are deceptive. Feelings are fickle. Feelings can change. Feeling is ba- philo is based upon feelings. That's one way you can remember that. It's because they rhyme. Now, now grammatically, that, they don't have nothing to do like that. But, but philo is based upon feelings. Agape is based upon actions. Nothing to do with feelings. It's nothing to do with feelings. It's based upon actions. Now that doesn't mean when, actually, let me, when I say it has nothing to do with feelings, the initiation of the action isn't dictated by feelings. Now what you will learn, and some of you already have, is when you start doing it as, as obedience, duty, service, now all of a sudden you tap into some wonderful emotions. You find joy in agape that can't be found. Philo can't touch the kind of joy agape will produce in your life. But it's, it's, not, it's not on the front end. Philo focuses on how you feel about someone. Agape focuses on how you esteem someone and what you are willing to do for them based upon that estimation. Do you see the difference? So this means philo is rooted in our feelings for Jesus. 
Agape is rooted in our choices to hear Him. Choices, the act of the will. Estimation, act of the will. Agape is rooted in our choices to hear Him, follow where He leads, and do what He says. We've covered this many, many times. Doing what God says requires trusting Him. Doing what God says requires esteeming Him, estimating Him, esteeming Him and His ways above yourself and your ways. Let me ask you a couple of quick questions. If we don't do it God's ways, if we don't do it God's way, whose ways are we choosing? We're choosing our own, right? If we don't do what God desires, whose desires are we going with? Now, remember what the Lord said to us a few years back. He said, my people want me to do things in their lives that they have not given me place to do. Philo, without agape, will deceive you into thinking you have given God a place in your life that you have not given Him. I could just go on and on with this, man. Let's push on a little bit further. God having a place in your heart is not the same as Him having a place in your life. Philo is about a place in your heart. Agape is about a place in your life. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Why do you draw near to me and honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me? Why do you listen to my ministers as though they're entertainers without ever having any intention to do anything that I tell them to tell you? Right? It's because Philo in our heart. Philo in your heart will deceive you into amening your answer. The answer you've been looking for your whole life. You'll hear it, amen it, write it down in a notebook, and then go grab a hamburger and never think about it again. Because the enemy comes, what, immediately to steal the word. Philo speaks of a place in your heart for the Lord. Agape speaks of the place you give him in your daily choices and actions. Philo in your heart means you can sing and speak passionately about your love for him and commitment to him. Remember Peter? But Philo alone, we've said it already, I'll say it one more time. Philo alone will never teach you to trust God, but agape can and will teach you to trust him. Agape is following through on the things Jesus asks of us. Even when we don't feel like doing it, have other places we would rather be or have other things we would rather pursue. Agape is doing what Jesus says, even if it doesn't make sense, seem right, or feel safe. Remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. What did the Lord tell us to, to under, that we should how to define leaning to your own understanding. What is that looking like? It's when you live a life supported by what makes sense, seems right, and feels safe to you. So this is where we started. This is where we'll end. When life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut, you better have the foundation of trust under you. Only agape for Jesus can build. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We go back now in our minds to what the Lord began to say to us in 2020. Now we're in 2022. All of these things are connected that He's been saying to us. And the things that He said to us in 2020 is that the chaos that was going on in the world around us was exposing some things in the body of Christ that we needed to have exposed so that we could go before God and get corrected. Because Jesus said what we're seeing in the world now is the beginning of labor pains and that these things must, these things must come to pass. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying this um, to, uh, to give credit to the Holy Spirit, okay? You would have thought the opening minister, Happy Caldwell is the opening minister every year at the minister's conference, except for last year, he had taken a hard fall at his house. He said when he hit his wooden fence, he has a fence around his small garden, and he fell down the hill to his garden, and he said he has a wooden fence around it to keep the deer out, He said when he hit that fence, he heard things breaking and cracking. And he said the first thing that came to his mind was, oh, man, I just broke my fence. It wasn't his fence that broke, okay? It was ribs and and all that, right? So the point I'm trying to make is he did, for the first time since I've been going to the minister's conference, not this year, but last year, he wasn't there, okay? So... I believe that this would have been some of his comments in 2021 January, but now he's 2022 January, right? He said, he asked the Lord, he said, he said Father, I've spoke against COVID. I've prayed against COVID. Some of the, the most powerful men, churches, movements, faith, he's, we've all agreed. What's happening? He said the Lord took him to Matthew when he said these things must come to pass. But what did the Lord say to us? He said they must come to pass, but they, that doesn't mean they, that they must come to you. Right? It's exactly what the Lord told Happy Caldwell to tell us. I mean, I'm sitting there going, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? But what are birth pains? Birth pains increase in frequency and intensity. I'm not a doomsdayer, but my, my friend, I'm telling you, there, it's coming. There's coming a day when, when we will look at COVID as a joke. I'm not telling you how to scare you. Did Jesus say it was coming? Why, did, he tell it to scare, did he tell us to scare us? No, he told us to prepare us. So when life on a cursed planet punches you in the gut, you better have a foundation of trust under you. Only agape for Jesus can build. Devil ain't playing. Matter of fact, he's been taking this thing way more seriously than than most of the body of Christ. How does agape build a foundation of trust under us? Because trusting God will lead you through experiences that will open 
um, doors of seeing and knowing that cannot be opened any other way. So that you can be like the Apostle Paul and say, hey, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. Amen. See, Philo can say that, but there's no teeth to it. But when Agape says that, and again, see, here's the thing. Are you ready? Agape don't have to say it. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying you shouldn't say it, but agape don't have to say it. Father, we love you. And Lord, we, first of all, say thank you for helping us see some things, Lord, that maybe we've been blinded to this morning. Father, we do not want to be like so many others who draw near to you with their lips, but their hearts are far from you. We do not want to be like so many others, Father, who hear your sayings but do not do them, who listen to your ministers, Father, but are only entertained by them and do not recognize them as you speaking directly to them through a man or a woman on this planet. Father, we do not want to be people who are deceived by you having a place in our hearts and thinking that somehow is going to sustain us through the days that are ahead. We are men and women who do not draw back. We do not hear your word and draw back from it, but we hear your word and we say thank you and we submit ourselves to it and then we begin with the best of our ability and the aid of the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives. Father, the rules can't save us, but your wisdom can and has and will. Help us understand that, Father. Help us realize, Lord, that there are so many things that we've heard and even some that are listening to me right now have believed that are taught as doctrines of God but are nothing more than the sayings of men. We've got to get these things straight, Father, and I thank you that you're, you're helping us and you're speaking to us. And Father, I don't know if I'm, com- if I'm conveying it enough as, as, as I need to to, to, to the men and women that I have the honor of standing in front of and serving, Lord. But Father, you're saying it to me and there's an urgency in your voice. And I pray, Father, that that is being translated, Father, in that urgency when I pass it along. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for opening this door. Father, Paul was always praying that a door would be open, Lord, for him to speak to more people. And so, Lord, thank you for the doors that you're opening for your voice to be heard and for people's lives to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.